0: From playing 18 to a full 60. Early leads to buzzer beaters. It all starts by getting on the board.
1: Welcome inside a special episode of On the Board. The Gang is back together. I'm Colby McKee across from me, Lance Dahl. Hello. Hey, Chief. On
2: a, on a little stick mic. He's, <laughs> he's,
1: he's going like, solo mic like there. Beside me is Corey Bakoskis. I got a mic side for
2: you. <clears throat> Ah, uh, that's
1: true. That's so okay. Like Brandon, hey, hey, oh, man. good man. Uh, and across from us in studio, Tiger's longtime assistant coach, Joe Frazier, joining us today. Hey. How's it going, guys? Hey. Good. Thanks <laughs> so much for joining us today, man. It's good side effects there. Yeah, Sound really effects, welcome. yeah. Good yeah, job. The, the levels are <laughs> are booming with that one. Um, let's start with. Uh, I guess we'll go back to your days in Brainerd, Minnesota. How does way a kid? Back. How does a kid from Brainerd, Minnesota, make his way up north to Medicine Hat? That always interests me.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know it's a different story. But so the Tigers used to go down to a hockey camp I used to train at. Uh, you know it's called Minnesota Hockey Camps. It's right in my hometown. So trained there my whole life, and you know Willie's uh, good buddies with the owners of that camp. So he'd bring you know players from other teams as well, but local kids and some of our guys down there and. You know, they saw me when I was 17, and uh, John Stompar was actually at the same camp. So he came up at 17, and then uh, they came back the year after, and you know, talked me into it. So <laughs> that's how I got up here.
2: And uh, is, as a, as a younger younger guy, do you picture the WHL as an option, like in your when you're maybe 10, 12,
0: 13? No, 13, not in Minnesota. No, no it's uh, honestly, I didn't even know what it was. The Western League, um. I still think when you go down there now, a lot of people still don't know what it is. So it's, uh, you know, Minnesota's kind of like a, its own little bubble. It's it's really not part of USA hockey. It's kind of its own thing. There's not really AAA. It's mostly high school hockey. So it's um, kind of a different brand, but it's mostly NCAA. Uh, you know, I didn't even know what World Juniors was, really. Like, we don't don't really get that down there. But, uh, yeah, uh, I didn't really know what the Western League was. And then once Stompard came up here, he was one of my... One of my good buddies, and he he talked to me about it, and it was you uh, know just a great option with uh, the scholarship program.
3: And so, when you kind of weigh your options, being in Minnesota, like it's wild to me that like even just the concept of World Juniors doesn't necessarily or didn't necessarily exist. I would assume now, like with exposure and how well the USA program's done, that that kind of changes things uh, to an extent. But just what's that culture like? Because you're making it sound like playing hockey and growing up in Minnesota and with the culture there it's almost like an island within the country
0: yeah I think so I think even when you watch World Juniors at uh, where was it Buffalo like it's not sold out or anything so I don't think it's that you know big of a tournament uh, as it is in Canada obviously like Canada's you know crazy you know week week and a half for that for that tournament but uh, when you grow up in Minnesota, the biggest thing is, you know, you want to play for your high school team, uh, the biggest thing is getting to the state tournament, you get to play at the XL Center, yeah. and if you watch, like 19,000 people are watching high school hockey, it's it's a totally different atmosphere, um, grow up, same group of kids, uh, i played with the same guys since I was five years old, you know, we're still real close with those guys. Um, you know, the school spirit, like the high school games, you know, we used to get you know, 2,000 fans that are games, uh, student sections. So it's very uh, school-based, like uh, the alumni programs are so – it's just very school spirit. So you want to play on your high school team, and then, um, you know, the biggest thing is uh, trying to get a scholarship to
1: play NCAA. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, growing up in Minnesota, obviously you had a lot of exposure to the North Stars. They were, uh, they had, you know had a little bit of a heyday down there. Did losing them and then I guess the subcome com- oh, question is like getting the Wild back in in the early two thousands. Did that have an effect? Obviously, not just you know high school hockey, but obviously going to the the college ranks and whatnot. But that sort of effect with Minnesota hockey in general.
0: Uh, I don't think so. I think. The biggest difference, I think, between a Canadian kid growing up and a Minnesota kid is the Canadian kid is dreaming about the NHL. Where the Minnesota kid, I think we think about the NHL, but our biggest dream starting out is you know playing for the Gophers, getting a scholarship to be a Gopher, uh, or playing for the Sioux. I think yeah. that's probably the biggest difference. And then once you get older, you know, high school ranks, and uh, you start seeing the college guys play pro, I think then you might start thinking about the NHL more, but... Growing up, it's, you know, the big ticket is going to your high school games, watching those guys, like they're your idols, watching the high school players, and then, you know, every Friday, Saturday, uh, watching the Gophers, Mm -hmm. like they're televised, so that's, uh, that's kind of the dream starting out, is being a Gopher suit, because you always get to watch them on TV, and those are, you know, kind of your idols growing up, Um, so when I was growing up, the Wild weren't there until we were, I think I was 14 that they came back, so uh, but that, you know, they've been sold out. They're obviously very popular in the state. The state loves hockey. So yeah. it's, uh, no, it's great to have them back and, um, you know, yeah. So, but the that would probably be the biggest thing between Canada and, you know, maybe Minnesota, just the different different avenues that you're dreaming about uh hockey wise trying to get that free education while playing hockey
1: and it's such a, a rarity to have uh, a hot spot for hockey like minnesota there is such few markets in the states mm-hmm. um that you can you know dream of playing for your university team and it's such a big deal like you yeah. said like minnesota it's huge it's um exciting.
0: so it's funny so bobby fox our head scout went down there two weeks ago to watch uh, some of the bantam kids in high school games and you know, I just asked him because I want to know if how good it was compared to whatever the Alberta midget league or BC midget league. And you know, he said it's just as good, if not, you know, it's right there with them. So, it's uh, you know, it's great to know that Minnesota hockey is doing well. And you know, we just gotta, I think, as a league, we have to, you know, sell our sell our league a little better to you know a different avenue for them. Uh, because I think the Western League, the scholarship program the Western League provides, it's I don't think NCAA can match it. So I think uh, a lot of Minnesota kids would would be interested in it. We just gotta you know get down there and make sure we're we're trying to sell it and you know do our thing with it. For
1: sure.
2: Uh, yeah, I'd almost say with the the expansion of the Winnipeg or the the relocation of the Winnipeg Ice, it almost maybe opens up that. Uh, that state to maybe, you know, you see um, the Tri-City Americans, like that whole U.S. division. Yeah. it might be a Minnesota team uh, coming up in the future,
0: maybe. That would, I, uh, yeah, that would be, that'd be interesting. Um, You know, I think it's such a hotbed for NCAA hockey and it's, they got such a hold on it that it would be, it would be yeah, you know, it'd take a little doing to get a team in there. I don't know how much uh, you know the NCAA guys would like that. So they'd take some doing. But I think, like I said, I think the Western League uh, with the scholarship program, the you know how how good it is. First of all, the on ice product. It's uh you know it's something a lot of Minnesota kids would look into. And you know we just got to keep uh you know keep trying to recruit kids.
3: So what's perspective for you like now considering? You know, when you grow up and and you want to play for the Gophers or the Sioux and then you get exposed to the Western League and now you've been with the Tigers organization for at least a decade now, um, where's your goal to go to? Like, is it still to kind of go back and fulfill that dream of now being a part of a staff of, say, Gophers or, or the Sioux or is it just kind of... You know we're here now. Let's
0: just get how it takes us. <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm totally sold on the the Western League, yeah. so I've totally switched. <laughs> um, all my buddies played played NCAA. I have nothing against it. I think it's great hockey. It's a great life experience. Um, you know, when we recruit U.S. kids, I always tell them that. I think I think it's important they know that. I have nothing against NCAA. I think you know. I think our program, you know, in Medicine Hat here with Willie, it's. Uh, you know, it's as good as it can get, you know, you get the scholarship, but also, you know, what we can provide on the ice, off the ice. So we try to sell them on our program. Um, But for me, I've, I've definitely switched. I think, you know, like I said, with the scholarship you get, um, the practices, the workouts, who you're playing against, it's, it's as good as it gets as a, as a 16 to 20 year old.
3: Yeah, no doubt. And I don't want to dive like too far into it. You don't have to disclose as, as much as you're as little as you want, but it's like, it, they'd be crazy, the team, the Tigers, would be crazy not to use you in in the marketing of the team for those American players, right? Like, you've got to be in on those conversations. Yeah,
0: definitely. It's, uh, you know, each year gets more and more, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those things you just, it takes time to, to recruit some kids and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we can keep chipping away at it and get a couple more good kids up here mm.
1: taking it back to the high school days in terms of you as a player we seen you play uh here in uh, in the old arena but as a uh, high school player how did your skills translate to your move up to the medicine hat and what kind of a player were you back in in Pierce? and and uh <laughs> obviously that something within the tigers caught their eye to uh, to bring you up north
0: yeah, well, I put up more points in Brainerd. Um, <laughs> but,
3: <laughs> uh, oh, you had a, all, what, like 13 goals? Uh, hey, it was 18, though.
0: Okay, yeah, that's more than I did. No, that's so...
2: One for game in your last year there.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, one for one. <laughs> 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 it's great stats. No, it's... Uh, I was, you know, always, uh, you know, relied on my speed and work ethic. I was never the most skilled guy, Um you know, I think the thing that allowed me to, to play at the next level was my work ethic and, and my speed. I took took a lot of pride in in uh, trying to win the hardest worker award each year, and that's you know that uh, really is why I kept playing or got the opportunity to keep playing. So <clears throat> I definitely wasn't the most skilled guy, but uh, you know basically willed my way here.
1: Yeah, 18 more goals than any of us has scored here in this room. So.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit back on, you know, the opportunities to play with Minnesota, the universities and stuff like that. Did you have those opportunities, the universities or colleges?
0: Yeah, so after uh my grade ten season I got a full scholarship to uh University of Nebraska, Omaha. It's in the C C H A. now they realigned the conferences, so it might be W C H A now but
2: they're a Div
0: One school. They are a Div One. School. Yeah, they're Div One. So it's uh yeah, it was Great campus, loved it. Uh, the coach who recruited me worked at that hockey camp I went to, the same hockey camp the Tigers saw me at. Um, but yeah, I was I was all for it. And then the team I was with in the USHL, the Omaha Lancers, their coach uh, went to the Gophers the year I was supposed to go in there. And then the coach that recruited me to UNO, he left that same summer that Willie came down. And so Willie kind of talked me into coming up here.
3: I'm just trying to think like, Because I I remember when you came into the lineup uh, with the Tigers and you were coming in at a time where you were that prototypical player that the Tigers were kind of built around. I mean, uh, it it was nothing but hard work from everyone top to bottom. And it was never, for for the majority, the most skilled guys on the ice. But when you had the unit that you guys had to play night in and night out, you were tough to beat. And so when you kind of look back, on your years playing with the Tigers, like, does that theme kind of stand out the most when you when you look back <coughs> at those days?
0: Yeah, we had some some great guys: Wacy Hamilton, Colton Grant, yeah. uh, Brett and Cameron. You know, all the guys were just you know blue collar love to go to the rink and love to work hard for each other well, that's I think. the thing
3: like those are all like two-way guys yeah throw the body
0: a lot yeah it was, it was a fun group to play with and then we had you know the one year we had ennis and his 19 year old year so we had enough guys with skill who could who could score and then you know we had a lot of guys who you know just loved uh love playing for the boys and you know blocking shots hitting you know really just using your speed and, and trying to outwork teams that was uh You know, Wasey takes a lot of pride in that. Brent Cameron took a lot of pride in that. Colton Grant, you know, myself. So it was, uh, you know, then we had guys who could score, like Lyndon Vay, Tristan King,
1: Tyler Ennis. So it was uh, was a good balance. Uh, I mean, you had two second-round playoff appearances during your time with the Tigers. Um, I guess we weren't on the ice down in the old arena days. What was some of those playoff games like, and just the atmosphere as, as you're making a climb towards that Mem Cup run, which unfortunately fell short, but still, like the... The uh, the impact and the memories that you have in those playoff rounds.
0: Yeah, the it was unbelievable. It was so loud in there. The fan support was was always uh, fantastic. Um, <clears throat> that first year we beat beat Swift in seven, and I remember going into Swift game seven. There must have been you know five hundred Tiger fans in there. So it was you know they traveled well. know um, just the atmosphere was was incredible. You know before the game, the you know you could hear the noise already before warm up started. So you drive in actually to the parking lot and guys are pre-gaming before you know tailgating <laughs> and it was you know it's a nice spring day because you get nice weather here you know start april and you know it's just uh, got you got you amped up so it was no it was uh, pretty special to, to play in the old arena all the history there it's it's crazy
2: yeah you mentioned that you were one of the like the hardest workers so you know you weren't necessarily on the first line every night you know Said, never know. <laughs> uh, what was uh one of the the best moments maybe that you've had like maybe a big goal or like you know a big hit or you know in your tiger days what would it be
0: uh i i think the biggest the biggest moment was winning game 7 you always want to win um so winning game 7 in swift was was uh, pretty special. I think Ennis had like three or four points that night, so that was that was fun. You know, watching Ennis score six points uh, mm. against PA that night, that was special. Uh, I think just winning is is why we do this. So anytime a uh, big win in the Saddle Dome or Teddy Bear Toss, you know those those type of games when there's eighteen thousand people in the Saddle Dome and and you can beat them, it's uh, those kind of things are special. But you know, you obviously remember some of the goals. Uh, that you scored, um, there wasn't many, so I don't have to remember a whole <laughs> lot. But you know, you remember some of those. But I think the the biggest thing about junior hockey is the time spent away from the rink with the with the guys and the camaraderie you have, and you know, you make lifelong friends, and it's uh, it's some special to, to show up to the rink every day and and work your tail off with the you know with the guy next to you and for him, and it creates that bond that, that lasts a lifetime.
3: Is it tough, and this isn't to disparage the Canalta, but it feels like it's two different worlds. When, when you look back to what the arena was like, and when you see now what the, what the Canalta feels like, is it hard, as, as somebody who's been now in both scenarios and been at ice level, mm-hmm. is, is it almost difficult to, to imagine what it would be like in the Canalta if it was jammed? Like it was at the arena each and every night, because unfortunately we, it's just not something we've seen. Yeah, at, at the Canal de where yeah. it's been, you know, top to bottom, just packed. Yeah, I think the
1: big, the the best we saw was that Lethbridge series. Yeah. I was gonna say Game Seven was. Yeah, they opened up the, the upper bowl yeah. there, and it felt really good. <laughs> it I, I agree with you, Lance. It'll never get to that. Because they were we talked about it with with Shane Brown in another interview, like they were overstuffing like fire crews yeah, were yeah. over capacity, like it'll never get that it way. It could
0: only hold four thousand, right? So you know, even even now if if you get thirty three hundred, if the rink only hold, held four thousand, it'd feel feel packed. Mm-hmm. Sure. But now it's it's so big that, you know, it doesn't feel that way. But um I think it's just totally different. I think the the amenity is, is top notch. Like the weight room is is incredible our our area is just unbelievable i think uh you know we had a winnipeg scout come through and he said it's nicer than what the jets have mm. like our our area is unbelievable so from a player standpoint the off-ice stuff is you know top notch um and like like you guys said it, it'll be tough to because you got to fill it if it's going to feel like the arena because the arena was always yeah. you know pretty full so um you know that'll, that'll be tough but You know, we we got great fans. You know, we get hopefully 3,000 a night. I think it's right around there, and uh, it's pretty consistent that way. So, you know, out in the community, the guys are noticed and
1: recognized. So uh, the town of Medicine Hat does an unbelievable job supporting us. Just speaking on... You know, former uh, teammates of yours. How often do you, you know, keep in touch with some of them? Is there anybody, uh, or a couple people that you know you've kept in touch with more so over the years? Yeah, it's always nice to see uh, Tyler Buns up in Edmonton now, and then
0: hung out with Carsey the other day, Thomas Carr when we went up to Edmonton. You know, it makes it a lot easier when guys move back to the the towns they're from when we go and play them to hang out. uh, You know. Touch base with Lyndon Bay once in a while. He's over in Russia. And then Wacy Hamilton comes in, you know, training Camo's time, Kale Kessie, <coughs> uh Jace Coyle once in a while in Calgary. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you just create that bond and, you know, you just pick up where you left. Like, doesn't yeah. matter if you've seen him in a year or five years, it's just, you just pick up where he left off. So, it's, yeah, it's nice. That's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah. I guess a little bit transitioning into the coaching, still kind of a question for the playing days and and coaching, obviously, Willie Desjardins. Um, You've had you've played under him and also yeah. you've worked with him. So, how different have the two um, experiences been, and also how are they really similar?
0: Yeah, I don't know how different it is. I mean, he's just an unbelievable person to to play for and work for. He, I think the biggest thing about Willie is he he makes every everybody feel important. He gives you a role, and then you know he kind of lets you let you go take charge of it and do the best you can with it so um no he's uh he's been unbelievable to work for uh learned a lot this year from him and you know i'm i'm real privileged to have worked with sean and now and now willie i've had two great guys to work for and you know very very blessed that way for sure
3: who hates losing more you or will because no. <laughs> I've, I've seen the elation after
1: wins. I've seen the frustration after loss. You can hear the frustration when he does the fourth period report with yeah, Bob.
3: Joe does not want to go to the <laughs> with Bob. That he has just, to go do it anyway. Absolutely. It's like, oh, he's doing a service and it's a nice yeah. thing. Bob we
1: knows know, that too, though. <laughs> we all appreciate it,
3: by the way, when you still get on the mic yeah. after a tough loss. It, it's it's great to still get that perspective. It but is. like, you hate to lose, and I know Will hates to
0: <laughs> yeah. lose. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I, I think... <laughs> Maybe I voice it a little more and Will Will hates losing More than anything But I think he He's good at You know Burying it a little bit more life. Yeah Yeah, yeah. So. He stiffens
1: that upper lip A little bit And <laughs> <laughs> gets a little Yeah
0: A little tight You can tell he's up seventy. He, he won't let it up. I think You know He's more mature than I am Probably So that's <laughs> That's probably why But uh, Yeah, yeah what We wrong with being We, we love called. I think that's uh, That's what Why he works well We just love winning And yeah. that's you know, that's what goes into every decision is what's going to help us win. Too, oh, Smitty, just, yeah, hates to lose, for you? sure. Like we're, you don't you don't play or coach if you like to lose. Yeah. It's not at this level. You can't. Um, we're all ultra competitive and that's what goes into to every decision is how are we going to win? Is this going to help us win? If not, then we're not going to do it. If it's going to help us win, then we have to do it.
1: You spoke about uh, coach Khluston and the fact that like in your 10 years as assistant coach, you've only had those two head coaches. Um, I guess the, the continuity of the messaging from both of those gentlemen not only just for the players but also for you guys as a coaching staff, how important is uh, you know having that continuity with both of those guys and the messaging that they're trying to get across for, for everybody in the organization?
0: Oh, it's it's huge. And I think, you know, Willie and Sean obviously work together, and then Sean and myself, and then me and Willie, um, you know, with other guys in between there as well. But uh, you have to be on the same page. You know, you can have – it doesn't matter really what systems you're running or, you know, the structure things. It's – you have to be on the same page. So, you know, there's a million ways to, to break the puck out or run a forecheck. But if not everyone's on the same page, then it's not going to work. And only when – you know you get everyone on the same page that that it works but it's it starts with you know the top down and that messaging like you said but you know we've been been fortunate we've had uh unbelievable players who are great leaders so you know the head coach sets the tone and then you know as assistants we got to relay that message and you know the leaders take the coach's message into the dressing room cuz the leaders are that's their dressing room they you know they run the room and you know so if if you can get the leaders on board and uh you know they'll get the rest of the team on board the rest of the team will follow so yeah it's that's uh maybe probably the probably the number one importance when you're running uh you know whether it's hockey team football team doesn't matter you got you all have to be on the same page 100
2: um looking at that 20 year old year um that transition from
0: to three, <laughs> do we have to uh, <laughs> yeah. we don't
2: have we don't no have to i'm continue. kidding you know but like whose idea was it you mentioned the scholarship program one of the reasons why you wanted to get to the yeah DHL. so what made you you know forego that like not go the to a university um you know and take that coaching role in your 20 year old year so
0: I played the game and then uh talked to the agent it was going to get released um so that was definitely the hardest like besides deaths in the family like that, that was the hardest week of my life for sure um Fortunately, we had great leadership group who, who accepted that I could, you know, step in and be one of the assistant coaches, you know, Wasey and, and Carsey and Coiler. They did a, you know unbelievable job, you know, seeing that transition through. And, you know, obviously I didn't try to coach Wasey. So, you know, <laughs> dealt mostly with the younger guys that, uh, when I was that age. Um, but, yeah, I always... Uh, so I actually had the... I could have went down to Kansas City and played in the Central League, but... Uh, didn't really want to do that so kind of kind of figured I wasn't going to play in the NHL at that point I uh, always knew I wanted to coach growing up after my playing career and you know what a unbelievable opportunity not not many 20-year-olds get an opportunity to coach in the Western League so I figured you know talking with my family and and uh, agent there is you know I just think for a life decision is the best decision for me at the time and I would do it, you know, a thousand times over. I've been very blessed to, you know, obviously the Mazers offered that to me, and very, very fortunate for that. Uh, owe a whole lot to Brent and Darrell, and you know, very appreciative of that. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been unbelievable ten years, and uh, very fortunate.
2: Right. Yeah, and you can you can look at it one of two ways. You can be upset that you know yeah. cut you, or you can feel motivated to you know start a ten year coaching career. Right.
0: Well, I got a head start than how many people get. Yeah. Um, I'm 30 years old. Well, in May 30, and you know I've coached in the Western League for 10 years. Not, not many people can say that. So it's, uh, but again, it all to Brent and Daryl. Like very fortunate that you know they, they saw something in me, and you know I can't thank them enough.
3: It's impossible to know exactly when the comfort level started to set in, but those first couple years have to be a little bit difficult because, I mean, it's a completely different role from being a guy that you're going to battle with every night side by side to now. You're, you're in a more Of an authoritative role Quote unquote Like just how it's perceived
0: Yeah oh, You gotta be smart About it though yeah. You know So First year Is mostly Dealing with uh, Like Basinius Braid volky They're young guys You know Working with skills With them And trying to You know Kind of be a, a sounding board For them Cause it's Your first year In the league It's tough Like it's Like nothing You've ever done before It's way harder Than midgets Or high school Or you know the the practices, doing school work. It's it's a grind. It's really hard. So, you know that first year is more of a mentor role for the young kids. Um, then the first two months, my second year was real similar to that. And then you know Sean uh, Sean let me oversee the penalty kill start about October November. So that was more of the the start of it. And then you know I had to be smart about it. I'm not going to go yell at the guys, right? Like it's you gotta you gotta feel your way through there. So there's definitely some learning curves along the way. Yeah, uh, yeah there's some ups and downs <laughs> for sure. But like I said, the, it only worked because we had guys like Wasey and Jace, uh, Coiler, Carsey, you know, the next year Bunzy and Emerson, Conan, like who had that respect for me because I played with them and they knew how hard I worked on the ice. They respected that. So it was, a, it was an easy transition just because of the – the players I played with—they're such good people that they made it work.
3: Yeah, I will say kudos to you because that's like you—you you make it sound like you have to be smart and that's easy, but you also remember you're 21. Yeah, and it's—it's it's a completely different role. That's easy to go real self for a lot of guys. So like that—that's impressive to have that kind of like wherewithal in order to to kind of understand okay, this is the situation and and to be able to navigate it the way that you have to this point. Like that—that's impressive.
0: Well, thanks. Yeah, I think it's and it's knowing when when I play you know when you make a mistake you you know that right so it's it's just feeling your way through you have to just figure out when some guys need to be talked to and some you know they don't need it so it's it's all feeling that out and it's a learning process for sure i I've, I've screwed up <laughs> mi- millions of times so it's uh you know our players will tell you that but it's uh no it's been yeah very fortunate that when I first started the players I played with they're such good people they made it work.
1: You've seen hundreds of players come through uh, over your 10 years as an assistant coach. Off the top of your dome, is there some guys or a couple of folks that come to mind that you, just the, the development of their skills, not, you know, not even just on the ice, but off the ice is people that have really caught your eye and I guess give you a little bit of satisfaction, a little bit of proud. Uh, you know Proud coaching I guess proud dad. Yeah kind of I know you're only 30 <coughs> But still like yeah. You've seen a lot of guys Come well, through Well number one Is Tyler Lewington For
0: sure um, He is the hardest worker I've ever seen he, uh, he came in at 17 And So when he would get He's a defenseman So when he would get The puck he, he would try to You know He wouldn't really Look at the seam Or the middle He would try to Fire it up the wall Mostly every time So to see Him go from that To he spends hours in the gym. and I mean like hours in the gym and he just willed his way to the NHL. So watching him play for Washington last year and a couple games this year it's uh you know it's incredible to see where he came from at 17 but knowing how much work he put in off the ice uh yeah that's he's a special person. Uh him I think Mark Russell at 15 he came in he was <laughs> Oh, uh, he's a little cocky <laughs> fifteen year old and you know, he left at twenty being one of the most he did the uh, most mature one of the most mature kids we've had and you know, I've I haven't seen a kid go for, at fifteen where he was to how much he grew up in that time. He's you know, he's a special person as well, but yeah, there's lots of great ones. You know, Mason Shaw was great to work with. Uh Dave Quinville obviously had a had a fun time with him he's you know seeing what he did putting up 300 points as a mm-hmm. defenseman um you know it's always fun just texting those guys when they're you know seeing how they're doing in pros and you know i think dylan mcpherson's another guy hometown kid just to see how far he came you know he started with us at 18 uh, see how much work he put in with bruce forrester down at temple and to see how much he's grown you know seeing curtis volk come up from midgets you know there's a lot of guys so it's uh yeah, like you said, you, you're just real real happy for them. But you see how much work they put in off the guys. And I think that's what fans don't get to see is just how much time these these kids put in these players. And to
1: see them get rewarded, it's uh, it's pretty special. It's a great kudos to you guys as a coaching <coughs> staff once again. Just the number of guys that you have you know, transitioned to that next level, that's what it's all about. And the fact that you have just listed off a handful of guys, there's so many more uh, over your 10 years that have made that jump. Uh, you know, and you're, you're taking them to where they want to get to And that is a bit I don't even kudos. think it's
0: pro I think, you know, the U of A guys this year Like Cox, Sanford, Kirchenko You know, It's Aubrey. like half
1: their team is Tigers Yeah yeah. yeah.
0: So, you know, Texan with Kirchenko last week Because he made the first team All-Star Like, that's that's outstanding and Yes, then, it you is And yeah. then, Sanford made second team All-Star So, that's just, you know, it's great to, great to see you guys succeeding You know, once they leave here
2: So now that you're a coach <laughs> Um... You know, I know the U.S. Is, is a little bit, like, it's still a little bit weird in that, you know, they start at the U-17s, they pick their best players. Basically, 95% of those players go on to the U-18 team, and then at the U-20s, that's basically their team within a couple yeah. of mixed players. I'm Talking
0: the program? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, you know, the coaching staff for that, do you have any interest, or is it even a possibility to get on with some kind of national team? Do you have any interest in that?
0: Uh... I the,
2: think that... Canada, <laughs> do you have
0: the... I can't do the Canada because I don't... I'm not a citizen, but... Okay. Uh, so I'd have to do the U.S. Um, yeah, like, World Juniors would be awesome, but I think right now it's just... I'm not really in a rush to... Like, I have the best... I tell people, I have the best internship you can have. Like, I'm working under, you know, Willie Jardins. So, you know, I got to keep doing that as long as they'll let me uh, learn from him. And, no, I'm... You know, I really like the spot I'm in but uh, you know you're always looking to to move on and up and you know the next goal would obviously to be a head coach you know hopefully at this level or you know junior A or maybe USHL back in the states but uh, you know pretty pretty happy with you know where I'm at and you know who I get to work with with Willie and and Ryan and uh, Samit and Maddie we got a great staff so it's it's been a great year and uh, you know there, it's been a lot of fun.
3: Only because we got about somewhere in the neighborhood of ten fifteen minutes, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this season. Um, actually, Colby and I just the other day were talking about the games over the weekend and how they were opposite in results, but also they felt opposite in terms of style of play. Almost like <laughs> so. The, yeah. So the game against Spokane, <clears throat> just because like okay yeah you beat Tri City that's great good job. Um, but like playing against Spokane like to to Colby and I. We thought that was one of the best efforts that your yeah. team has put together all season. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think the whole you know the staff we talked about that was we haven't haven't been playing up to our potential the last probably three four weeks. Um, you know it's been hit or miss. You know win one lose one uh, stuff like that. But yeah, I definitely agree. The Tri Cities game was you know it was a win, but it wasn't uh, you know, it wasn't Tigers hockey. But Saturday was. You know we felt we deserved a better fate. It's, you know we played well. It is the intensity? You know the physicality was there. Uh, we were fast. I think we created 37 scoring chances. We had counts. So just uh, unfortunate we can only score one. But their goalie was goalie was outstanding. Made some huge saves. And but we yeah we play like that. We'll we'll beat a lot of teams. But yeah we were we were a
1: good Saturday. That second period, more specifically, I have not seen this season the guys buzzing. <laughs> Around that net, mm-hmm. like I've seen, um, they were relentless yeah. against uh, the Spokane goalie. Like, it's just, obviously, it comes from you guys, you know, leading the charge with the messaging, but, uh, yeah, that second period, when, obviously, they didn't get to score until late, but uh, that is the type of hockey you guys want to continue with these final 11 games here in the season.
0: Yeah, and you said the word relentless. Well, that's what we talk about all the time. We want to be, you know, four lines, 60, and it's just it's wave after wave, relentless speed, and... You know, we think if we can do that, it's it's hard to skate with us for 60 minutes. So, you know, I, I like that word to use because we use that all the time, relentless. Good.
2: Yeah, and I think that game specifically, it's easy to, especially at the, the age they're at. I mean, there's still teams, I think people really get
1: about <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, but, you know, two periods of it not working, and it's like you maybe come out in the third, and it's like, well, it's just not our night, but it seemed like we were getting scoring chance after scoring. Yeah. Chance, I mean, they only got a handful of shots in that third. Um, what do you, you know?
0: Yeah, I think they only had three. Yeah. Three or four.
2: What is to uh, speak about this team that, you know, even when it's not going, we're still trying?
0: That's, that's really important because it's really easy, like you said, to get away from the game plan when it's – you're not getting the results. Like yeah. the the process is there, but maybe the results aren't showing up that game. And that's that's all leadership from, from Hamlin, Shazowski, Lochner, Clayton, and then Ploof. Like those guys, like I said before, the coaches have the messaging, but – the leaders, they run the room. And so when those guys are on board and when they're saying the right things in the room, then, then everyone else will follow. So that's that's just great leadership by uh, by our captains and assistant captains.
3: Forgive me, I'm trying to scroll through because we were talking, I don't know, about a week or two, maybe even not that long ago, about, uh, like, I ended up just doing some digging on this goal differential oh. since uh, the Prezuzo and Longo trade. And one of the biggest things was that it almost seemed like when when Plouffe and Svikovsky came into the lineup there was just a little bit of necessarily not the same defensive structure that was before they got there hmm. but it seems like over the last few games that structure's starting to come back in in waves a little bit and we're starting to see that again like it, are you seeing that same kind of upward trend as a team defense rolling into playoffs
0: yeah i think it's <coughs> it's hard right cuz Plooford played in Vancouver for four years. Uh, Lucas played there for three and so it's just you know when you come into a new team it's learning that because it's totally different styles us in Vancouver so it's definitely an adjustment and learning curve for those two so it was you know a lot of a lot of meetings a lot of one-on-ones a lot of video trying to teach and and uh, you know get everyone on the same page like I said everyone has to be on the same page and you know, it's it's starting to come and, you know, there's that three-week stretch there where, where Lucas was outstanding with Hamlin and Hopwo and you know, we switched lines up a little bit last game, but, uh, you know, Plouffer's been, been excellent. Uh, so, I, yeah, like you said, I think everyone's... It's starting to come back now. It, you know, I'll agree with you. There's a little, you know, stretch there where it wasn't totally on the
3: same page. Um, and I should say, like, I'm not saying that you know Longo and Prezuzo being gone and Ploof and Svikovsky coming in with the reason why everything. No, yeah, 100%. it's just I shouldn't say you had, but, added,
0: but it's a team with those two but guys. it's you know just two different guys and it's yeah. just learning. It's just getting everyone accustomed to each other too, uh, different cultures, different you know systems, different uh, different everything. You know billets. You know it's a, it's a big adjustment. Like Corey said, they're they're still teenagers, so that's uh, you know it's a big life uh, change in life um, for Dylan and Lucas. So. You know, I think they've been outstanding. They're they're really skilled and uh, they they bought in, and it's it's gonna be exciting because they're both both great great playoff guys for Vancouver last year, and you know that was a big part of it. Just I think Dylan had 16 points on his playoff run when they went, you know, they lost Game Seven, and Lucas had 13 points. So it's uh, you know they're playoff guys, and you know we're excited uh, for the stretch run here.
1: Speaking of defense, obviously the backbone of any great defense is your goaltending. How would you evaluate uh how Mads and Garen have done so far and uh what are you looking for from them heading down the stretch and obviously in this first round and beyond
0: they they give us a chance to win every night they're both outstanding goalies I think you know coming in this season I wouldn't guess Garen would be 18 and 5 right now it's it's not a lot of times you get 18 wins from you know your supposed backup right so he's he's been outstanding uh you know, Mads is Mads is coming on. He, his confidence is growing each game, and you know, I think the last four games he's he's been really good. Probably, his, you know, before last game, I think the three games prior to that was probably his best three game stretch of the year. And you know, he's he's starting to feel it. So no, we're we're real blessed with the the two goalies we have, and uh, yeah, very fortunate.
2: Do you guys Look ahead much In like It's the last 11 games of the season Do you guys You know Look ahead A couple weeks Or at the at The, the bigger picture Or are you guys Just <coughs> the, the next game
0: Well I'd lie to you If you said You didn't look At the standings Or you know Obviously It's human nature You gotta You know Just take a peek But You can't let it Affect you really It's You know We have to take care Of our business um, There's only so many Practices left Only so many days You can get some workouts in so there's only only so much time here where we can get better uh, and we have to use that time wisely whether it's you know practicing working on things you know watching video having meetings uh workouts so it's or giving the guys rest that's that's important this time here it's a long season and you know bodies are tired so just weighing that out and you know right now we're only focused on Regina for Friday that's that's the honest truth. You know, you look at the standing once in a while, but you got to worry about the next game. That's that's most important. We're in a dogfight. So, you know, we just saw Regina beat Brandon the other night. They took Edmonton to overtime Saturday. It's, you know, there's there's no easy games in this league. It's, you know, like you said, they're teenagers, so anything can happen.
3: Uh, two more from me. You said, what do we have, Garen had 18 wins this year? I mm-hmm. think so, yeah. So... When you start the season, I'm going to assume, and you don't have to divulge it, but I would assume there's a plan in place for roughly how many starts you think, or how many games you think each goaltender is going to get into. You kind of have yeah. a plan or a benchmark at least. Has the play of Garen kind of changed that mindset the last eleven games? Uh, I think
0: the way Garen played the first half and uh, you know, well, really all season, he's he's earned more starts. Like he's. He's been outstanding. The game in Winnipeg, the first time we went there, the first ten minutes, I think they outshot us ten to one, and and we came back we won that game four to two. But if he doesn't play the way he does the first ten minutes, it might be three or four nothing, and we don't win that game. So he's he's earned more spo- more starts just by the way he's played. Um, so that's yeah, that's you know, like I said, the he's played you know, really, really good. So, you know, he gets more starts.
3: And so. um, the last one, outside of obviously you want to win the last 11 games because that's why you're playing the game. But what's one aspect that you want to see from the group the the last stretch of games before playoffs?
0: Uh, the 60-minute after like we had Saturday. Uh, we got to get back to, to being relentless for 60 minutes, whether it's the goals are going on in at the time, but we have to stick to the process and and really bear down here and, just make sure we're playing sixty minute hockey every night the next eleven because it's the c- points are crucial. We got Regina, Regina Swift, and then you know weekend with Calgary, Edmonton. We got a weekend with Lethbridge, Lethbridge home and home. So a lot of big games left, and you know the stretch c- drive. The, these points are crucial to to try to get home ice. Yeah,
3: you, you've been looking down the schedule yeah. a little bit. Rattle hey. that off <laughs> yeah, <really> yeah. Quick. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I said I' take a peek okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last one for me uh you just spoke about basically all these teams that are right and around uh, the playoff seating you talk about the hurricanes they're four points back uh hitmen are only two points behind you guys um, I guess just have you thought about a potential playoff series with any of them obviously locally we probably want to see a Lethbridge. that would be an intense rivalry I we've would seen love it. Yeah, fa- fans would love it. I don't think the team would, but who knows? Um, but yeah, like just those potential matchups and then, you know, if if for any sake and reason we cross over to another division, that's also in play, I guess. All all eight teams that are going to make playoffs are tough teams. So it's, we,
0: whoever we play, it's going to be tough, whether it's Edmonton, Lethbridge, Calgary, PA, Winnipeg, Brandon, Stoon, it's all those teams we, we've had success against and, you know, all those teams that beat us as well. So it's, Whatever, whoever we play, we just have to make sure that, you know, like we've talked about, we're on the same page. Um, and if there needs to be adjustments, we make them. But no, we're just excited to, uh, to have that opportunity. That's what we've been talking about all year, it's playoffs. That's why you play. And, so it's, uh, it's nice to have clinched and now we can you know, really bear down and, and make sure we're fine-tuning our game.
2: I got the last one here. All right, I guess just big picture. I, we talked a little bit about it. Um, what's next for Joe Fraser? I mean, it doesn't have to be next year. It doesn't have to be five years from now. I mean, where do you want your your, your goals and, and your future to line up? Is it NHL, you know? What, what do you want in, in this life? <laughs>
0: Yeah, hopefully we win the <laughs> yeah, Stanley this Cup as a coach. deep
2: real quick.
3: Yeah. <laughs> what do you want out of life, Joe?
0: Yeah. Well, No, it's to win a Stanley Cup. That's why we do this. So it's, you know, there's going to be a journey along the way, and just like all the players, you know, all the coaches want coaching coach in the NHL. That's that's the ultimate goal, and that's the dream is to, to win a Stanley Cup. So. Couldn't do it as a player, so now we got to try
1: to do it as a coach. Tigers back in action. A home and home series with the Regina Pats this weekend. Friday in Regina, Saturday back home here at the Canelta Center. Get your tickets online, ticketmaster.ca or at the Canelta Center box office. Joe, it's been a pleasure having you in studio. Yeah, thanks thanks so much a lot for coming in. Appreciate it. Uh, best of luck Thank for the man. rest of the yeah, regular season. And uh, (laughs) there you go Get that sound in there For Lance Dahl Corey Pekoskas Joe Frazier Colby McKee Signing off We'll talk to you next time Thanks for listening to On the Board Subscribe now On your favorite podcast platform And find us on Facebook At facebook.com Slash on the board podcast
2: Yes Yes